like to kick things off here with a poem for you, Jake. Oh, my. Ready? How ready? fancy. Yeah, I guess so. Write a poem. The free beauty poem. Yep. Mm. You've read the story of Jesse James, of how he lived and died. Mm. If you're still in need of something to read, here's the story of Bonnie and Clyde. Now, Bonnie and Clyde are the Barrow Gang. I'm sure you all have read how they rob and steal, and those who squeal are usually found dying or dead. There's lots of untruths to these write-ups. They're not as ruthless as that. Their nature is raw. They hate all the law, the stool pigeons, spotters, and rats. They call them cold-blooded killers. They say they're hurtless and mean. But I say this with pride that I once knew Clyde when he was honest and upright and clean. But the law fooled around, kept taking him down and locking him up in a cell. Till he said to me, I'll never be free, so I'll meet a few of them in hell. This is the first few lines of the poem, The Trail's End. Written by Bonnie Parker herself, that being the Bonnie of Bonnie and Clyde, Whoa. just a few weeks before the two of them died a violent death in 1934. And uh, fast forwarding to 1967, two of France's most famous entertainers, Bridget Bardot and Serge Gainsbourg, recorded a brilliant song based on the poem, which would end up as the first track on their 1968 collaborative album, appropriately titled Bonnie and Clyde. Welcome to everyone's favorite show, Louder Than Sound. Our first and only question for the contestants is... What's louder than sound? Theoretical noise particulates from the 15th dimension? What's louder than sound? Uh, nothing, Alex, because of course this is a theoretical question. What's louder than sound? What is two brothers, who are mostly similar, but sometimes dissimilar taste in music, asking each other to listen to and absorb some of their favorite music albums based on idiosyncratic themes that they likewise force each other to consider? That's louder than sound. Welcome to Louder Than Sound, the podcast where two brothers who love music and can't stop talking about it with each other, instead of their real lives, are reporting to you from well beyond 2020. Finally. I know. Here we are, still not talking about it. Still, well, let's just go still 20... Still talking about anything but music. Let's just so. do 2021 yeah. and, and be done with it. I'm Jake, and with me is that brother, Charlie. Hey, and by the way, if you'd like to contact us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at louderthansoundpodcast at gmail.com. Keep in mind that Van is T-H-A-N, not T-H-E-N. If you forget, just look at the name in your podcast provider, and you'll know. It's tough. We understand. We understand. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like your spelling, it can only get better from here. We truly, <laughs> truly hope. And uh, 2020 was a hot mess in so many ways, but 2020 was also the year we both finally hopped on a subscription streaming service and started adding albums from the past to our music libraries, like a couple of starving people who just won a grocery contest. We just yeah. stuffed and stuff with our... I don't know about you. 2020 that, that was positive was listen to music and go for walks. That's, that's right. All I, that's all I remember. Uh, yeah, we like, talked about sad walks on the last episode. Yeah, we lot, did. A lot, lot of nice sad walks. <laughs> uh, you know, my iTunes library was so well curated before that happened. Oh, yeah. I had every, it's hot now. I, I had, love it. I had yeah. everything I've ever owned burned on there just so, everything in its right place, mm-hmm. all the weird stuff I ripped and illegally downloaded in college next to live bootlegs, next to entire discographies that I worked for years to build and purchase, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in one fell swoop, it's like the Wild West in there. Everybody's yelling for some reason, drinking that bootleg whiskey and spitting tobacco on the floor and pistols being fired into the air, and the place is just getting shot up. (laughs) 
Well, if you recall, when I was in grad school, I made a point of, because I was listening to music constantly while working on this junk, I, uh, I made it my goal to <laughs> make sure that I listened to every song in my iTunes library at least once. And I yeah. listened to them in order, in alphabetical order by album name. I so do keep up, remember keep that. Mix. That was insane. And uh, it was insane. And now I've been slowly, very slowly over the last couple of years, we're working on and getting everything to have at least two listens now. But now, with me just adding things left and right, like nobody's business, yeah. guns flaming, just... Yeah. Just firing into the pew, air. Pew, 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 pew. And who knows? Who knows what's going on there? I have no clue. I have no. I don't. Know. I don't know either. I don't care. It's all right. I don't know either. Any any band that I'm ever even semi interested in, I'm just throwing them in there. Any new yeah. album that might appeal may, to me after I read I the first line of the review. You know. Yeah. I looked at my recent albums. Who knows? Three months ago, and there's an album I, I don't remember downloading. Yep, it's there. That's it. Oh, there's tons of those. Uh, you know, everybody, come on in. We're you're, yeah. you know, we're all friends yeah. here. Brady. Um, am I sad about it though? No. no, but it's nope. just it's just different, and it really highlights how outmoded the old ways have become, even to stubborn forty-year-olds yep. like me. So, without <laughs> stubborn stubborn thirty-eight-year-olds. Like yeah, me, so. yeah, just turned forty. Uh, so, without further ado, Charlie, why don't you tell us about one of the albums that you got into in the past year via this fun new paradigm, Serge Gainberg and Bridget Bardot's Bonnie and Clyde? Will do. So first, it should be noted this is not a sad walk album. This is like no. a kind of This is like a light, you know, attraction type album. It's a circus. It's, you know, <laughs> it is a circus. Yeah, you're going <laughs> wee. That's like directly from one of the songs. Whiz bow. Wee. <laughs> Whiz. Uh, I feel like I should start by I'm gonna do a little like run over the two of them, but it, it should be noted how big of a deal these two are in France. They're just gigantically famous, both of them. There's legends. And uh, Bridget Bardot, notably, is still alive, which yeah. makes it more interesting. Um, so we're going to start with her. She's credited first in the album, so they can't think of any other better reason than to uh, to start with her. So Bridget Bardot is, uh, again, is still living, but was a very famous actress. She acted in almost 50 films between the early 50s and early 70s. Uh, Best-known titles to us in America, at least, include uh, And God Created Woman, mm. Contempt, and Viva Maria. Most of her movies have not made the big jump to America, but they were well, very well-loved at the time, even if they're not you know, that well-respected necessarily, all of them. Uh, she's normally just a complete sex symbol in France, too, and she popularized, popularized the bikini. Oh, thanks, Bridget. I know. Well, and reading through this, really, <laughs> she's the French Marilyn Monroe, is oh, what okay. she is. Okay. Um, she's just a total national personality. Like Marilyn Monroe, I bet you can't name more than about three of her movies, but you know no. who Marilyn Monroe is. Oh, yeah. Um, and she's only a few years. She was only a few years younger than Monroe. She also had battles with mental health and had multiple suicide attempts. Oh, so, like my. Monroe, who, who killed herself? Um, but just this way that she exploded sexuality and had this just air around her and just exploded things. You know, particularly in the fifties, the two of them together. Um, but her for France. Uh, she also was a musician. She released multiple singles and albums in the sixties and early seventies. Uh, she was not. As far as I can tell, I don't think she wrote any songs. If she did, it was only a couple. She was just a singer. Notably, she's not a great singer. Yeah. But like, <laughs> she's, she's, she's an actress, though, and she has a lot of so much personality comes in her singing. That even though she's not a great singer, it's still enjoyable to listen to her sing. Oh, yeah, it's fine. Because she just represents these characters, and there's just a lot going but on. But she's passable. It. She's not bad. She, oh, yeah. No, she's not awful. Um, and several of these songs were done with Serge Gainsbourg, and that comes before this 1968 full-blown collaboration of sorts. Okay. Which we'll get to. Okay. Um, at this point, her career is actually winding down a, a little bit. Um, she ended up retiring from show business in 1973 
And unlike every other musician and actor ever, she actually retired. She really did it. Wow. <laughs> she said she was going to retire. Like, and that's it. Like, I'm going to do one or two more movies and then I'm done. And she did two more movies and she was done. And she has not been in a single movie since 1973. Wow. And she hasn't released any music since 1973. She retired. She's out on the farm or whatever. Time, like, that was it. Wow. Jake, cool. there you go. You're retired. You're 40. It's, you know it's what? Time. Um, I'm retiring right now. I'll see you later. Take it from Bridget Bardot. <laughs> so instead, she became an animal rights activist and has done a lot of work in that field for the last, you know, now almost 50 years. Let's keep that in mind because <laughs> she is still living. So that's kind of interesting. So, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't know that, that she hasn't been in anything from 1973. Yeah. But like all these years later, I definitely... Even with my passing knowledge of pop culture, like I know who Bridget Bardot mm-hmm. is at least. Oh yeah, which is kind of incredible. Well, in that way, like she becomes almost like an Audrey Hepburn figure who retired reasonably young. Yeah. And did other more um, philanthropic things for the rest of her life. Um, but it, it just makes it interesting, and the fact that she's still alive. Can you can imagine like Marilyn Monroe still being alive? No, no, no. Like yeah. it's just it's so. It's just so forward. It's so yeah. strange to think of that. Yeah, that's true. As being a thing, but she's still around. Um, she is a really interesting lady because, you know, she's got all these... I was talking to my wife about this. She seems like the crazy left wing and crazy right wing at the same time hmm. all over the place. So she's doing these, like, very extreme animal rights activists and doing a lot of great stuff there. She's also had multiple convictions for inciting racial hatred. What? So, sorry, Bridget Bardot. What Bridget. you up to over there? What? So that is really an unfortunate thing that she has done oh. in her late life, uh, particularly towards uh, Muslims. So, Bridget Bardot, we're not oh, we're not on, approving Bridget. of that. Not okay. Come not on, okay. Bridget. But at least at least five convictions of inciting racial racial hatred in France. So there you go. Is that all? <laughs> is that all? I know. Come on. All right. Well, had to be mentioned. Sage Gainsbourg, on the other hand, is a legendary musician in France at this point. His well, not life because he died in 1991. But he released 17 solo albums from 19 or solo or collaborative his collaborative albums between 1958 and his death in 1991. Dozens of singles, and he wrote hundreds of songs for other artists. And he is a complete legend in France. He's yeah. just one of the best, you know, musicians in the 20th century. He worked in a wide variety of styles, including jazz, chanson, uh, rock, funk. Reggae, he apparently actually was one of those aging white guys who in the 80s made a good reggae album. No, a, that's not true. I haven't listened to it, but he the reputation is that he actually released a good aging white album. Oh, I don't believe it, but I'll, I'll, I'm done I, listening, I, mean, I guess. I'll listen to it someday, but I haven't done it yet. And he did, he did uh, dabble in electronica late in his uh, career, which I'm sure, <laughs> who, who didn't, I'm sure really? it's fantastic. Again, I haven't listened to it. I'm sure it's fantastic. <laughs> I can see that. He was also heavily involved in, are you, this is a term I learned while researching this that I enjoy. Uh, yay-yay? Are you, for, are you familiar with the term yay-yay for yay-yay? music? No, I don't think so. It was like French 60s pop inspired by, I mean, people like the Beatles. Because okay. they're always singing yay yeah, 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 yeah. So it was yay-yay. <laughs> I like that. that yeah, that's okay. I mean, it like, describe, you know, oh, it, yeah. is, it is what it sounds like, you know? It it's is, what it is. yay-yay. It's yay-yay. <laughs> so he did that, and there's definitely some yay-yay on this album. Uh, he's known for his songwriting and his arrangements. He's also known for complex lyrics with lots of wordplay. Oh, yeah. And he's also known for explicit sexuality. Hey, oh, oh buddy, man. buddy, buddy. Whew. <laughs> sweat from my brow when I even think about it. It's hot in here. Sometimes I'm glad my... I, I speak some French, and I'm glad my French isn't that great for some of those, because I, I wouldn't like him as much if I understood all of his lyrics. Ooh. Okay. 
Great. Uh, one, of his, one of his most famous songs, Je t'aime, moi ne plus, features the sound of a simulated orgasm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, a later song of his, apparently, I have not listened to the song, from his electronic period, features a sample of sounds that are apparently from an actual act. Cool. Oh, baby. He recorded a song called Lemon Incest with his actual, <laughs> with his actual real-life daughter, who is now famous actress and musician Charlotte Gainsbourg. Okay. And she was 13 at the time. It cool. It was creepy. That's really bad. And his probably most famous album and my personal favorite by him, uh, Histoire de Melody Nelson, <laughs> yes. is like a Lolita-like album about yeah. an older man and a you know, underage girl. So, Sweet. again, the music is fantastic, but I'm <laughs> glad I don't understand a lot of the lyrics. That's better it's in French. It's better. It's better. Yep. Uh, later in life, he became increasingly unpleasant. He oh, was okey-dokey. frequently drunk in public appearances, making lewd, inappropriate comments that alienated him with the public. Oh, <laughs> Serge. Serge. Really a downhill. The guy was like... Yeah. And he just never stopped himself. Yeah. He just the no. way he... He supposedly smoked five packs of unfiltered cigarettes a day. No, that can't at the be end. right. I, five I mean, packs. This is what I read online. You know, you never know for sure. I wonder why he died. That's, you know. Yeah, so he died, he died of a heart attack in 1991. The guy Oof. drank, like, a fish. And he just became really caught of an yeah. awful human being at the end. Aww. So I just feel like, you know, I feel like we need to recognize, you know, you recognize that really early on with Phil Spector. I feel like we need to recognize that with yeah. Richard Burton. Yeah, with, yeah. With no, Gainsbourg. Yeah. Yeah. Is, uh, they've done a lot of cool things, a lot of great stuff, but I'm not, I can't condone all of the things that they have done. No, life, certainly not. a long shot. That's outside of the artistic realm. That's outside of the artistic realm in this case. No. But let's go back to 1968 when many less people hated them. Actually, we'll go back to 1967, get a little bit ahead of things. So apparently in 1967, now they had worked together at this point. Serge Gainsbourg had written a few songs for her, a few different singles. And uh, in 67, she was in the middle of splitting up with her second or third husband. Who knows? And uh, they went on a date that apparently didn't go very well. Uh-oh. So Serge Gainsbourg was thinking like, you know, oh, snap, that didn't go very well. I just wrecked it with Bridget Bardot. <laughs> like, you know, again, American audiences, you just went on a date with Marilyn Monroe and you screwed it up. Imagine you're Joe DiMaggio <laughs> and you went out with Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Uh, or John uh, F. Kennedy (laughs) Arthur Miller let's serve him Arthur Miller here he is anyway apparently Bardot called him up the next day and told him uh, that he could make it up to her by writing her the ultimate love song oh no and he wrote Bonnie and Clyde and the aforementioned Je t'aime moi ne plus the one with the stipulated orgasm sound which he actually recorded originally with her but she didn't want it released, and uh, he recorded it again with some other with some other woman. To, yeah. to, to get her what back. Did, to get her back. With, no, I don't think it was. <laughs> it was because he wanted to use the song. So it was this Jane Birkin, who was also a well-known French actress, and he was with her for a long time. That's uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg's mother. Okay. They were together for 12 or 13 years or something. So this is kind of an interesting point for both of them career-wise, and it's because Bardot was, like, winding down her main career. You know, she was in all these movies... Um, in the 50s and 60s, but she's a sex symbol and she's approaching 40 and it's yeah, the 60s. Right. So, done. of course, you're you know, done. you're done. You know, what are you, you going to do? Right. <laughs> um, and so things were starting to wind down a little bit for her. Gainsbourg, on the other hand, who, they're, they're close to age. Gainsbourg's a few years older. He was actually starting to take off. Um, he had a few other albums under his belt. I'm going to say he released four, maybe five albums before this. 
Um, but they hadn't done a ton. Some of them sold basically nothing. He was more successful writing music for other singers, including Bridget Bardot and a variety of others, mostly women. He hadn't released a single, a, a solo album of his own in four years at this point, but he was starting to get more traction, get more money out of writing these other songs for okay. other people. And he was just heading into his most celebrated period. His next album after this would be Initials BB, which that's Bridget Bardot. Her initials are BB. That's, uh, that's her. Mm-hmm. Uh, followed up with Jane Birkin, Serge Gainsbourg, and then followed up with Histoire de Melody Nelson, his best known and very successful. And so that's probably like this golden period of those three albums right there. Okay. And so with all that percolating in the back mm-hmm. of your brain, mm-hmm. before I go any further, I'm going to turn things over to Jake. But uh, here's my thoughts on Jake's thoughts oh. about Bonnie and Clyde. All right. Tell me. I'm thinking he will appreciate the songwriting and arrangements. There's a lot of interesting stuff to go to get to listen to there. And it's a very pleasant listen. Um, it's upbeat. It's enjoyable. It's light. It's nice. I think he won't like the more precious lyrics in general, the campiness of the album in general. Um, he also may feel it's a little uneven. Uh, but I think overall, he'll, he'll think it's solid. I think he'll give it a 0.5. A 0.5. Okay. All right. I don't Working think he with hates that. No, no, no. No, I, don't, I certainly don't hate it. It's a hard album to hate. I think it's a hard album to hate. Probably. Probably, yeah. It would be a hard album to hate. Um, well, I'll just start by saying my favorite track is the opener, Bonnie and oh, Clyde. Yeah. Uh, oh, good yeah. one. Got a got a real nice classic rock sound bordering on the psychedelic. I like mm-hmm. the swirling guitars that come in and out, um, plus some impressive weirdness uh, with what sounds like a talk. <laughs> is that a talking drum or is that a person's I mouth? don't know what that is. I got no clue. I no. couldn't figure that out. There's not a lot of credits to this. And this is one of those, I should note, this is the first album I've done for Louder Than Sound where I don't own the, a physical copy oh, of it. Oh, you don't, yeah, okay. So I don't have liner notes to go off of, though I, they probably are thin anyway. I'm like pulling stuff out of Discogs, but there's just not a lot of yeah. info. Yeah. So I'm assuming yeah. it's some form of percussion, but that, ooh, ooh, Yeah, I think it's a talking drum, but it's like very, it. it's very interesting. I like, very I like, I like that. Um, however, the more aggressively playful the album seems to get almost right away, um, the less it, it's, it speaks to me. So like all the pow blanc whiz stuff, all that stuff like just sounds so precious to me. The campiness of it or whatever. Um, Going through the album, I enjoy the jazzier, slower, slower songs like "Un Jour Come Out," or uh, where Bardot is featured. Um, I like her by herself more than I like um, Gainsbourg by himself in this case. Um, I just think the, the 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 lounge stylings are a bit schmarmy. Uh, but uh, but, yeah. but more on that later. Um, in the album, there's a pleasant eclecticness with different styles, especially rhythmically. I hear some samba and Central American influence, as well as uh, ballroom and big band jazz, um, and many other things. Um, likewise, the instrumentation changes from track to track, and it seems very carefully and expertly made from a production standpoint. The various backing vocals and melodic lines serve as a nice counterpoint to the main vocals, especially on Le Madrog. Love, love a drug. Love a drug. Um, I would think so. A drug. I don't know. You would. You would know better. <laughs> I took. I, I took only six years of French. I don't know anything. <laughs> six years of French. Yeah, I had to take two in college after I had to drop out of Latin. Mm. Uh, the the language cool. that everyone still speaks with Latin. That's how they. <laughs> that's how they sell mm-hmm. themselves. Um, yeah. That that song in particular reminds me of early Velvet Underground with Nico a little bit. Um, oh, I have to listen to it again. So I was yeah, wondering, I it, you know, songs curious. like. Um, you know, Sunday morning and stuff like that, like kind of. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about. Yeah, I, there's something like, about. I, it. I, I could see some similarities to their vocal style between Bridget Bardot and Nico. 
Especially I you know, I should have looked into it a little bit more. There's one song and that I'm thinking of. They come in with these strong accents and slightly off-key, but they've got personality to it that kind of sells it anyway somehow. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Nico it's, got, and she got to be a better singer when she got old. And they're out, like, but. they're like a centimeter away from the microphone. They're just like, yeah, they're, yeah. you know, very closely mic'd and uh, you can hear the, you know, stuff in their mouths and all this stuff. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> there's a real swinging London vibe sometimes, um, <laughs> like an Austin Powers movie come to life, um, especially on the closing track, uh, Dr. Jekyll et Monsieur Hyde, uh-huh. which I mentioned just because I wanted to say it out loud in hey, French. well done. Good accent. Thank you so much. Um, I think there's, and you'll have to tell me if this is true, um, I think there's a lot of pastiche going on here. Um, yeah. Like Gainsbourg and Bardot are kind of playing the parts of singers, um, rather than... I know these are Gainsbourg's songs, right? He wrote all the songs? Or did Bardot no, write did, some of them? No? These are just... Bardot did not write all the songs. Oh, okay, okay. Um, my only thought about that is unless these forms, these musical forms that they're kind of playing off of were somewhat newer back then, so maybe they were kind of on the cutting edge, or was this kind of uh, pastiche at the time, too? I, I guess I don't know the... I, yeah, I don't know the history of it. I'll, ta- I'll talk music. more about this thing. Like, makeup of this album is weird but we'll, okay. we'll get into that in just all right a cool minute. i'll let you finish your thoughts cool um and then actually my main critique might be just be a personal preference um with the slight discomfort i have with gainsburg like i didn't know all yeah. that stuff about later in life um but he just he comes off as like too roguish for my comfort you know like yeah. you know, swaggering around and chain smoking unfiltered french cigs and crooning uh-huh. while so he was doing while remaining completely deadpan and then uh, undressing all the women in the world with his eyes while he's singing yeah that sounds about right <laughs> sound right uh-huh. <laughs> at least that's how i, I... Like it really torn on him because i like his music so much but he's just a sleazeball oh he's a sleaze man he really and you so can just sleazy, tell you can just tell from hearing him yeah. sing like I don't know. There's something get... with the wrong edge in that voice to me. Yeah, well, yeah, and more later on. It's, sure. it's less so even now, you know, than it gets to be later on. <laughs> it's it wow. much worse. Wow. Um, so I can't, We, you know, we discussed a little bit, but I, I can't imagine his brand of machismo would fly too well these days. Oh, um, gosh. You know, certainly didn't not. Fly that. Like, he was getting into a lot of trouble for things he was saying and doing wow. when he was okay. still alive. So. Okay. All right. Well, I but, think I want. I want to say he made some really inappropriate comment about Tina Turner. I want to say it was Tina Turner. <laughs> we doing he was on the same. He was on the same show as her. I could be wrong. It was some other like '80s pop singer, and he said something about you know how he wanted to. Uh huh. Have, oh, have the, a time. Have a time with her, and the translator wouldn't translate it correctly. Yeah. And kept getting mad about it because right. He was because like, he was like, "This is." I, I do. I actually. I think I've read about that. It was pretty. Yes. Yeah, no, that he wanted to. You know. Yeah, he wanted. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> he, <laughs> he wanted. He used this. This is a this is a you know PG to maybe light PG thirteen show. Uh, yeah, yeah, use the word he was no. he was he was intending there. No, let's not let's not let's not. Actually, let's see if Tina Turner has anything to say about it. I know she's listening. Well, so. you know she's been belted out and she you know she wouldn't put up with it. You know. No. I don't remember not. what her actual reaction was because I'm pretty sure they were on the same show together when he said this. I don't remember. Blah. Blah. Sleep ball. All right. Canceled. All right, cancel that man. Um, All in all, this album was neither really here nor there for me. It didn't quite grab me. Um, I wasn't uh, very mad at it or anything. Um, I really only liked three or so of the tracks, and even those I could take or leave. Um, The rest just sounded a little, like, pappy, just like, or more generously, kind of wrote exercises in stylistic forms. Um, Okay. So, like, here's our big band song. Oh, here's our lounge singer song. Here's a... 
And uh, like I said, I like three of the songs, but so um, I give it uh, I give it a negative one point zero. Oh well, okay. Um, and I'm genuinely interested to hear what it was that captured your attention so much this year, Chaz. Yeah, well, uh, I'm not sure what it was. This is one of those that just like hit me just right. That was just pleasant. I just enjoyed listening to it again. Yeah. Like working in the shed, it was a great one to just throw on. Um, I think I found myself liking it a little bit less doing deeper listens now for the show. Okay. Because I wasn't really doing a lot of just Yeah, listening. yeah, yeah. It was just so on. I was doing like walks or I was going for, you know, working on the, and it was just something back on background. It was really nice. So this is a really strange collaboration mm. because of the 12 tracks, the only new song was Bonnie and Clyde. The that other 11 it? were all previously released. Oh, I didn't which know was that. Something I, had, I had no clue about this until I started researching for the show. Otherwise, I probably would have picked something else. Yeah. were already well into it. Oh, interesting. Good. Okay. And so when you talked about how, like, it was here or there and all these different, like, oh, here's our big band song. Here's it. The songs go back to, uh, to 1960. Wow. One of the, one of the songs is, is a single from Serge from 1960. And there's several things like I, oh. I made a list of all these songs and tried to figure out. I'm doing my best on this. I was really digging this through on Discogs to figure out when these were first released. So I yeah. definitely got probably got some stuff wrong. But there's songs from 60, 62, 63, all the way up to 67, and then the only new song is the is the first track, Bonnie Clyde, which is clearly the strongest song in the whole album by far. Um, three of the tracks or seven of the tracks have no involvement from Bardot whatsoever. Right. I like, can tell so a couple of them did not. It's which good is weird. Album, but. It's seven, maybe it's only six. Six or seven have nothing to do with her whatsoever. Three of the tracks have no involvement from Gainsbourg whatsoever. Right. So he wrote a couple of the songs, of her solo songs, but he didn't have anything to do with three yeah. of them. Okay. So I don't, I can't figure out quite how this thing came together. Well, it probably, know? the the song. Was they, it a cash grab? I don't know. The song they actually did together was a huge success. So it's like, how can we pair these two in some capacity? But it wasn't, that one wasn't released ahead of time. It, it wasn't? Was, it was released, as far as I can tell, again, I can't quite figure, you know, this information is not always as available sure, as I'd sure, like. Sure, sure, right. But looking at Discogs, because this album came out in like January of 68, and then the single came out in January of 68 also. Oh. Somebody was like, hey, you know, and maybe it was just because she's so famous. Right, right. But he wasn't really at that point, so I don't know what, and was she had it? plenty of other music to pick from, and she either had other songs that he wrote that they didn't include on the album. I don't know what happened here. Well, I think Serge just gazed at her through the cigarette smoke and was like, Lobby d'autant, but it's Chatin. Maybe, maybe that's about it. And then, actually, strangely, three of the songs would end up on Gainsbourg's next album. Sure, why not? I mean, so, you are talking about, like, the album that we know it had, like, just been time. born. It's a so different time. People were still doing weird things all the time. Right, right. And that's, this kind of thing is this kind of thing is really common in the '50s, where you get these mi- weird mixture of singles right. and B sides. Because some of these were originally B sides, some of them are singles, some of them were actually off of albums. Like it's just this weird hodgepodge of stuff, and that was really common in the '50s to throw stuff together. And it was still pretty common up to the mid '60s. You know, you, you found people like the Beatles were one of the big ones right. to start making these giant artistic statements. Right. And the Beach Boys were doing that too, and you know those kind of classic artists there. Rather than just this hodgepodge collection of singles, but the Beatles, you see that in their early career, where it's released in com- like completely different albums in the U.S. and the U.K. and yeah, like and they, half the same half the same tracks and these weird B-sides and right. singles thrown together. It's right. You see that kind of stuff, and that clearly was part of this. Um, so it is a weird hodgepodge of songs, but for me, it just somehow like gelled really nicely. It is this weird mixture of 60s pop yay yay if you will yeah and i and i do yeah some kind of like cabaret feeling song it's very light it's very fun it's campy it's easy to listen to to just yeah. throw on and look in the background 
Uh, my favorite tracks were Bonnie and Clyde is clearly the strongest song on the album. And again, yeah. that's a bit like precursor of his strongest era. Um, this is a really great groove to it and really interesting progression. There's actually a lot of really interesting progression throughout the album. Um, Ginsburg found a lot of influence from different, you know, it, more like an exo- exotica at the time, which now we would call um, world, world music. World music or, or, now, or now cultural, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, more just stealing from other cultures without being involved with them necessarily. <laughs> right. Um, so, appropriation. You know, appropriation appropriation that's that's Thank the word that was not quite popping in my brain cultural there appropriation there's definitely some of that in here but there is a really interesting percussive sound a lot of different percussion instruments going on in the background in a lot of different songs um comic strip was another song i liked quite a lot and dr dr jekyll a monsieur hyde yes. um ironically the three songs these are the three songs i picked out as my favorites in the album these are the three that ended up on his next album oh. so <laughs> You knew what you were listening hey, for. Hey, I guess so. Yeah, you should be a French thought, uh, record executive in the late 60s, I my well, man. Uh, Comic Strip was a, was a reasonably successful single, I just think I think the year just the year before. And then Dr. Jekyll et Monsieur Hyde was a B-side on something, hmm. which seems surprising it would have been relegated to B-side. It's a pretty strong track, I feel like. Because um, he released his next album the same year, Initials BB. Same year, and he ended up in Bridgeford. Anyway, to me, it was just a light, fun lesson, something I needed sometime. There's a lot of distraction this year, as well as, yeah. you know, back to last episode, some sad walks, some deep melancholy. <laughs> sometimes you... just a little light distraction. That's what this one's right. to be. Turn those sad walks upside down, you know? Right. And so I give this a two. I okay. enjoyed it. It wasn't like the brilliant yeah. best album I ever listened to, but I, I really, it, it captured me and I enjoyed it and I listened to it a lot. And for that reason, it was, it was a good one. Well, Chaz, I'm here to tell you that that's a valid preference. Okay. That's valid. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Jake. Yeah, thanks. No problem. Um, and next week uh, on Louder Than Sound, we're going to have a little bit of a different episode and uh, we're bringing on our second guest star or mm-hmm. guest host. They're all stars. Uh, his name is Tim Reavers. He's an opera singer and composer living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and more importantly, he's a friend of Charlie's. Hey, that's my old college buddy. Yep. Old college buddy Tim, we call him. But um, also a very interesting musical voice because he makes his living from opera singing. Opera you know, singing, yeah. Of, there are not a lot of people yeah, that like that around. You don't, you, don't, you don't meet a lot of them, you know? Nope. Um, and so he is going to be kicking off our new theme, um, music that was recorded before 1955. Um, got the a pre, pre-rock. Uh, to bring us into the pre-rock era. I know there were some rock songs before them, but that's when right. rock and roll really, you could argue, really took off in about 55, 54, 55. So that was the idea. That's right. And so Tim is going to be uh, telling us all about Frank Sinatra's In the Wee Small Hours. So look forward to that next time on Louder Than Sound. <laughs>